morning is Jesus, the Lamb of God. So far in this gospel, we've been given a number of different titles in the first chapter for the Lord Jesus. As the gospel opened, he was called the Word. Then he was referred to as the Life. And then the Light of the World. And then the Son of Man. And we will see so many other titles given to the Lord Jesus as we move through this gospel story. But here in this section that we're going to address today... In 1 John, John the Baptist focuses on another title that has so much meaning, not only for the people of Israel at that time, but for us today. Jesus as the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, I will begin reading in verse number 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Jesus, the Lamb of God. In this passage and to the end of the chapter, so much about Jesus, his impact and place in our lives is revealed. The New King James for verse number 34 reads, Instead of just referring to him as God's chosen one, it says, And I, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Adding another title to the list, the Son of God. But today I want to focus on the title that in Latin would be called Agnes Dei, or simply Lamb of God. One thing that's interesting about this title, Lamb of God, is that it's only used in a few places within the entire New Testament, and it's always by the same author, John. The other reference is in the book of Revelation where John received while he was on, in prison on the Isle of Patmos where he stated in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. In this vision, of Jesus that John is receiving while in the spirit on the Lord's day is how he opens that book. He sees all his majesty and all his power and all, and Jesus is praised and worshiped, yet the reference that's provided in Revelation is not to his majesty and power, but to him being the lamb who was slain. The reference as lamb of God focuses on Jesus' role as our substitute. In the Old Testament, the primary initial reference would begin with the lamb's blood that was used to protect and shield the children of Israel as the final plague was about to be poured out on Egypt. They were instructed to take the blood of a lamb and to cover the frame of the door, the tops and the sides, 
And when the angel of God would move through the nation, if the angel saw the lamb's blood, death would not come to that home, specifically on the firstborn. So before this story, the idea even further back of the idea of a lamb being a substitute is seen back in Genesis chapter 22 with the encounter that Abraham had in taking his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah and being willing to sacrifice him as he heard from the Lord. But we know the story. God stopped him just as he was about to because Abraham had proven himself. But as he stopped him, they both heard in the thicket, in the bushes, the rustling, and there trapped in the bushes was a ram, and a ram being an adult male lamb, which would be the sacrifice that would be offered as a substitute instead of Isaac. This theme of a lamb being sacrificed as a sin offering for the sins of God's people, it was a daily practice in Israel. Every morning and every evening, a lamb would be sacrificed in the temple as an offering for the sins of the people. The reference there is in Exodus 29. And Isaiah, in verses I'm sure many of us know, prophesies that the Messiah would fit this theme of being a sacrifice as well. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse number 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this theme of the lamb being a substitute, and this would be a theme prevalent for the Messiah, was ever present in the hearts and minds of God's people, especially in this time period in between the Old and New Testament. And if you remember from last week, a time period of 400 years where no prophet had been sent. One of the reasons why they then went to John the Baptist, as we talked about last week, and they asked, who are you? Because they wanted to know, was this finally going to break the silence of that 400 years? So John is referring to Jesus as the Lamb of God. And again, that is filled with so much meaning. He was their substitute. But the good news is that he did not just pay for the... uh, the price for the sins of Israel, it says he came to take away the sin of the entire world. He came to take away your sin and my sin. This wasn't just good news for Israel. This was also good news, to put it in context at the time, also for Rome. He came to take away the sins of the world. This isn't just good news for us. It's good news for everyone. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But when Jesus came, his sacrifice, unlike the sacrifices that the people of Israel had been practicing day and night for hundreds of years, did not have to be repeated later that day. Him being our substitute, he became a once and for all and never again needed to be done sacrifice for you and me. Now, when the world hears, well, 
your sins have been forgiven and the sacrifice has been paid, sadly, this is what they hear. Oh, good. I'm free to do whatever I want. Everything I'm ever, I've, I've, I've ever done and everything I'm ever going to do has already been forgiven and washed under the blood of Jesus. They look at that situation. That's perfect. So I'm here to burst that bubble. No. Jesus' sacrifice makes complete and absolute forgiveness available. For it to be applied to your life and to my life, for it to be applied to anyone's life, it needs to be accompanied. It needs to be mixed with the thing that John the Baptist came preaching, and that is repentance. Now, repentance... I'm going to try and focus on what it is by explaining what it isn't. Repentance is not just regret, although it may involve it. Repentance is not just being sorry about what you did, although that's part of it, that kind of sorrow. And repentance is not just sorrow about the impact of one's wrong deeds. Repentance is not just a feeling, but it's a decision. It's a decision to say, I was here, and now I'm going to, with every fiber of my being, go in the absolute opposite direction. I'm going to leave that behind. I'm going to leave those attitudes behind. I'm going to leave that thinking behind, and I'm going to go in a way that brings me to Jesus. That's repentance. It's not just stopping what you're doing that's wrong, but going in the other way and doing what is right. Realizing the blessing we've been given in the opportunity that anything that comes our way, we have from Jesus the ability to be forgiven. Anything? Yeah, anything. But what if my family won't forgive me? Newsflash, your family didn't die for you. Jesus did. But what if my friends won't forgive me? Second news flash, they didn't die for you either. Jesus did. But what if the world won't forgive what I've done? The world didn't die for you. Jesus did. And the one who died for you died for the sins of the world. And when his forgiveness gets to be saturated with true repentance, that's when we truly can experience freedom. Freedom from all that has come before the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The ultimate blessing and aim in having the blood applied to your life is that yesterday can remain yesterday. Unlike this world that tries to make yesterday today. Anyone ever experienced that? Anyone ever have someone remind you of all the things you've ever done wrong? Hmm. And don't be looking at anybody. And oftentimes we do that to ourselves. And in case you haven't noticed, that's one of the chief strategies of our enemy. Is to remind you of all the things you've done and to try and pin you and anchor you to that. But our God is different. He provides freedom. And he provides it each and every day. What a blessing that you, get, you and I get to start every single day like it's a brand new day. Yeah. 
Like the slate has been clean. Like nothing has gone before. You know the verses in Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse number 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Now, some of your translations will say mercies instead of great love. The actual Hebrew word there literally means extreme goodness and kindness, which can be translated either way. The point is, you get to wake up every morning with Jesus and say, this is a new day. I don't, it doesn't, well, it may matter, but from the standpoint of your relationship with God, it doesn't matter how much you messed up yesterday. Jesus is here with you today and wants to go forward from this point. No matter, you get to start over each and every day. But pastor, everybody around me is just reminding me of what yesterday was like. But you get to walk with Jesus into today and tomorrow. You get to start over each and every day. And we can say amen to that. We can give God praise for that. Thing is, the people who hurt you also get to start over each and every day. With, with God, anyway. Don't let yesterday's mistakes... Yesterday's poor choices. Yesterday's, I wish I hadn't done that. Shackle you in today. Jesus died so that in his eyes, in his presence, your past with him doesn't matter. That is so anti what this world is like. You know, I've, I've often made the comment in my secular career when I'll be interviewing someone, and basically when someone presents you with a resume, it's a historical representation of what they've done in the past. So they'll let you know how many years of experience they have in this or in that, or with that ability or with this. And if they've gotten certifications, it's I've been certified in this, but that's a past event. They'll tell you everything about what they've done in the past. I've got five years experience in doing this, and I'll I've been known to say, and some people have gotten on me for it, but I think it matters. If you tell me you've got five or even ten years of experience doing something, my question is going to be to you, what have you learned? Just because we've been doing the same thing for five or ten years doesn't necessarily mean we've learned anything. Sadly, we don't want to be like some in the body of Christ who've been following him for many, many years, and yet they're stuck in yesterday. We want to go forward with the Lord into today and tomorrow. Now, there's balance here. Mistakes have and always will have consequences. And some relationships, in fact, many relationships, may be seriously impacted by hurtful actions. But aren't you glad that the only relationship in your life that will ever last forever will not be impacted by the past? It's impacted by today and your ability to move forward. It's renewed and fresh every morning. With Jesus, every moment can be filled with fresh reality. That Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I want to focus it today. That takes away the sins of the world. In your world. Aren't you glad for that? But pastor, there are people out there who believe that their past 
will always define them. That's why they need Jesus. There are people out there who have been told that they will never be able to rise above the collection of mistakes or poor choices they've made. That's why they need Jesus. There are people out there who have been told that their mistakes, their poor choices, will forever be a major portion of their identity. That's why they need Jesus. And sadly, there are people in here, in the church, in the body of Christ, who are in the same three categories. So how can we minister to other people and let them know that their past can be wiped clean, that the slate can be emptied when we need to walk in the same thing? No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus is more interested in where you're going than where you've been. But to believe that his sacrifice isn't able to anchor it, uh, to, to rise me above my past looks at the Lamb of God in a limited way. He can take away all of the guilt in your life. Anyone ever struggle with guilt? Don't need to raise your hand because it's going to be for everybody. Sometimes I'm thinking, though, something worse than feeling guilty about something, which is specific to a specific to a, a particular action. I'm guilty, and I feel guilty about that thing I did. It's the deeper thing, and that's shame. Because shame gets translated not to what I did, but who I am. I want to make it clear today to everybody whose Savior is Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. That's who you are. You are an heir to the throne of heaven because you are God's child. That's who you are. You are his precious and beloved creation. That's who you are. You are the apple of his eye. That's who you are. There is no shame. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet this world is built, especially in our recent years, on casting not just guilt but shame. How can you think that way? How can you vote that way? How can you march that way? How can you actually believe that? Don't you care about people? How can you go in that way? And it's not just an exchange of ideas and a difference of opinion. It moves to this idea of shame. There must be something wrong with you. Let me make this clear. No matter what I believe or what I do, I am a child of God. And nothing's going to change that. I may disagree with people on different things. I may disagree with people in the body of Christ on different things. But we are children of the Most High. And that is my ultimate identity. My identity is not my ethnicity. My identity is not my nationality. My identity is not even my gender. And I'm going to make the point that gender, for me, and biology are the same thing. That's a different message. <laughs> but my ultimate identity is I'm a child of God. Amen. And that the Lamb of God took away my sin. He took it away. Now, the Greek word there, that whole phrase in taking away the sins of the world, 
It literally means he took it upon himself. He suffered for you and me. He died for you and me. He was tortured for you and me. He was bruised for you and me. He was unjustly executed for you and me. And there are many times, and I understand the different cycles of emotions we all go through, because we're all human. We're all human, right? If you're not human, please don't say a word. But we all go through those cycles of emotion, especially when we've not lived up to our own expectations. But that doesn't change who you are. That doesn't change what you are in God's sight. You are someone he died for. You are someone for whom he wiped the slate clean. You are the person that needed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's taken away. It's taken away. So why do we keep bringing him back? And if you're hanging around people that keep bringing back your garbage, keep bringing back your negative stuff, I'm going to make a suggestion here. Find different people to hang around. If you're hanging around people who all they can do is not just bring up your past, but it seems like they almost relish in it. You need new friends. Or at least better ones anyway. I don't know which, which it is. But he was tortured and his blood was shed so that you and I wouldn't have to live with guilt and shame. Now, do we make mistakes? Every day. All the time. Do we go in the wrong direction sometimes? Yeah. Do we still make poor choices even after giving our heart to the Lord? Absolutely. But that doesn't change who you are. That doesn't change the journey that you're on is with Jesus. Jesus really does give us the power to wake up every single day, every single day, and say, good morning. It's this running thing at my job especially on the days that we're all in the office. I usually come in and I'll say to everybody, good morning. And it used to be I would get a grumble, good morning. (laughs) Now I guess they've trying to be cute, trying to be snappy and witty. I'll say good morning, and their comment is, what's good about it? And I'll make a comment like, okay, you're alive. Uh, You weren't mugged on the way to work. Um, you still have a job, I'll begin to rattle off different things and then they'll still grumble and go get some coffee because apparently until you've had the morning coffee, being human is not something that's possible, even with the Holy Ghost. But with Jesus, it really is a good morning because it's a new day. It's a brand new day because of the Lamb of God. I want us to catch the significance of him taking away our transgressions. Taking them away. But pastor, today was really, really a bad day. Anyone ever been there? Not just a bad day, a really bad day. Or a really, really bad day. We've all been there. But that's why his mercies, his great love are new and fresh every morning. 
Every morning, it's you and Jesus. Every morning, it's the lamb that was slain waking up with you to greet and empower you. Every morning, his love is there to overshadow any other emotion that is going through your life at the time. Every single day, it's his presence filling you with power to be able to overcome the enemy who is present in your life. But thank God, so is Jesus. And you can say every single day, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Every single day is a bright new day because of Jesus. It doesn't matter what other people think about me. It doesn't matter what other people say about me. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. In every morning, Jesus, it's you and me. Let's do this. Every single day is new and fresh. Yet we still go through things. We still have days. We still have those times where we don't know from the very beginning of the day if I'm going to make it to the end of the day. And we want to be real. We want to be sensitive to that. That's why I want to encourage you at the beginning of every day, the lamb that was slain, the lamb of God is already taken away the junk, the stuff that you're going to encounter. Aren't you glad about that? That fills me with hope for every day, every single day. No matter what happens, no matter what goes wrong, Jesus is going to be there tomorrow. When I put my head down at the end of the day, if it's been a rough day, Jesus, you're going to be there tomorrow. And the reason I'm able to put my head down at the end of the day is because, Jesus, you were there today. You were able to get me through today. You were able to help me sustain. Because how many know many of the things we go through in life, he's not going to take you over. He's going to take you through. Like 23rd Psalm says, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So we go through it. We still go through stuff. But you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I don't know where you are today. But I want to remind you about the Lamb of God that John saw coming toward him and said, Behold, look, he takes away the sins of the world. Calling him any other title would still have been appropriate, but he focused in that moment on the Lamb, the substitute for our sins, the substitute to help wash away our bad days, to substitute to help wash away our bad choices and our bad decisions. But, Pastor, I'm surrounded by people close to me who all they do is remind me of what I've done. But I'm going to remind you today, there's someone closer to you than a brother or sister, than any other family member. And he's like, I don't remember a thing. Now, it's not like you and I, as we get older, saying, I don't remember a thing, because we truly don't remember a thing. Often people will ask me, do you remember what happened last year? And I often say, I don't remember breakfast. <laughs> but Jesus not remembering your transgressions is not an inability with memory. It's a choice that he makes because he loves you. 
because he loves you. And he wants more than almost anything that yesterday not restrain today. Jesus has plans for you. He has joys to unfold in your life. He has blessings he wants to shower you with. And if he's going to shower you with these blessings, he wants you and I to enjoy them. And they're difficult to enjoy today when we're still in yesterday, when we're still in last week or last year or 10 years ago. This is a new day. This is your day to realize that the Lamb of God took away that nonsense and has given you a fresh new start. Stand with me, please.